Relax and listen, where Josh likes to speak about some recent gaming news. The Callisto Protocol is just not fun. Being a kid, I appreciated, albeit deeply fearful, of the horror genre. No matter what media it was on, it scared the living daylights out of me. Even now, if the game is compelling enough, my anxiety starts rolling before booting up the title screen. To fear the unknown, fight or flight, creates that perfect tension as a player on how to handle something scary. Like, the first opening mission scene of Time Splitters 2 scared the crap out of me, and that game isn't even focused on horror. Now I obviously grew out of that fear to a degree with years of experience living. Just to give you an idea of where I'm coming from and my horror experience. Now to my surprise and disappointment, Callisto Protocol is just hollow. A bare minimum game experience at best, hard to say. Because I was really looking forward to this game done by ex-developers of the original Dead Space, with the co-creator Glenn Schofield leading at the helm. What they presented in the trailers screamed spiritual successor with great deaths, the life bar, infected to shoot, and tension-filled atmospheric environments. Many of those core elements sounded successful on paper, but how it was executed leaves a lot to be desired which in turn makes the overall experience feel quite dead. In all my years of gaming, I've never had the displeasure of replaying a game just to say how tedious and mind-numbing repetitive it is. The Callisto Protocol, on the other hand, made me regret my $70 after a few hours in. And I play some bad ones like Sonic 06, Call of Duty World War II by Sledgehammer Games or Halo 5 to a certain extent. But no matter what, those had some okay areas to go back to. Let me start with the good. First, the graphics are astounding due to facial expressions, the planets you can see, and the terrain you can go through. The term next-gen is showcased here. You'd be fooled into thinking you're watching a live-action flick. The haptic feedback on the PS5 controller is exhilarating. When you get the combat down and predict enemy attacks, it can be satisfying leaving the battle unscathed. The meaty sounds hitting and affected, or how they can crawl through the air vents to your location while hearing them itching closer is great. I just wish they utilized the sound usage way more. The acting is good for what it's worth. And I never asked you, what are you in for? <laughs> well, you worried you're helping a murderer, Sky? Well, yeah, kind of. Well, you are, man. So what? Look, it's a long time ago, yeah? I was defending myself. Wrong place, wrong time. I made a lot of bad decisions back then. Yeah, well, you were probably just dealt the shitty hand. No. No, no. It was just to blame everyone else. But then I realized this was on me. 
can't keep running from what you've done. I never thought the day would come where I get to actually control the Transformer star, Josh DeMille, and see his head getting ripped to shreds. Speaking of, death animations are back to their full glory and it's given the most love here, where the main focus on horror applies here. Only there's so few of them. Now it's time to get into the nitty gritty details of why I don't like this game. Looking at the reviews, even the reception is mixed, and maybe you wonder why is that? Now keep in mind, most of what I say here came from what I experienced at launch, and also things I noticed on my second go around. Okay, so subconsciously, the first two hours I was really hit and miss with it. Instantly, the first thing that came to mind was labeling it as a tech demo. I don't know whether or not I should be fascinated by the fact I came up with that opinion on the spot. One thing for certain, for sure, I should have stopped playing right then and there. Of course, I'm not one to rage quit for a first time experience. With that in mind, as I continued on playing, some thoughts sprung up and I began to wonder, did anyone even bother playtesting this? If so, do they have fun? When combat is first introduced, as we're escaping Black Iron Prison, it is during an in-cutscene fight tutorial we know how to avoid incoming attacks. Only, they shouldn't have shown it like that, as it confused me and probably others. Now bear with me when I say, I died to the first enemy encounter so many times. And to be fair, I was playing on the hardest difficulty at the time, maximum security. But it just shows just how poor the tutorial was demonstrated. The combat goes like this. You dodge incoming attacks automatically by holding the left analog stick from left or right. As long as you don't hold the same way, you won't be punished. And from which direction the infected attacks in doesn't matter. And when you break down the overall combat, the infected are so simple and one-dimensional that the core encounter experience can be summed up as either trivial or hard as fuck to fight through. Why it was hard before they patched it was the designers thought to be a brilliant idea akin to Death Space were to have groups of enemies swarm you similar to how the Necromorphs behaved. Except combat was not the main drive of that game. Here, the issue is that the camera playing a major role too, and the stupid auto lock on feature when using your gun sometimes. The camera itself will only focus on the enemy and your scoped in peripheral vision, meaning the game is fixated on the one baddie alone, so you can't toggle on who to prioritize first. When you get a gun, there is an auto lock feature of when you've beaten up a foe enough, and it will automatically home in on the target sometimes. Now imagine that. The camera is clustered and zoomed in on the action while you fight for your life and when you get the prunt on the thing you want to kill and hurt, it'll do a complete 180 and fixate on a completely different target instead of the one you want and all of a sudden you get swarmed by like 5 of them as they all attack you at once and you can't do anything about it. Callisto wants to treat the melee combat as if it were one on one, but the level design will show the complete opposite on how to treat these scenarios. Since the game wants you to get up close and personal, I think it severely hinders the horror aspect and dwindles the fights as mere rock'em sock'em robots. The enemy design leaves a lot to be desired. There isn't one that ever stood out. They're all pretty generic and basic. 
even from cutscene to gameplay are inconsistent, since the monsters aren't ever a threat because they all follow the same repetitive format. Barring a few boss fights that make you dodge extra longer, which the game doesn't even mention that during those specific segments. Like, why the omission? Why is Jacob strong enough to beat these bastards by himself? The game explains the effect it gained super strength, so how can this normal human guy come toe-to-toe -to -toe against them? What is his background of fighting? Did Josh Dumel go to The Rock for lessons? It's so sad to see how these lunatics don't even give you melee variants to see what you could do to dismantle or even kill foes differently. None of the guns ever really stick out since they all function exactly the same way. Another option to shoot bullets against these sponges. Compared to Death Space, which gives you a ton of arsenal that allows maneuverability around areas while not hindering the core difficulty to make you feel OP. You still felt at a disadvantage if you were careless in Death Space, since you had variety of necromorphs to take into consideration. Wanna know about boss fights? Get this, they introduced a two-headed freak at the end of chapter 6. I thought, cool, something different. Then I realized he can one-shot one kill you. Okay, nothing to worry about since I had to fight him once, right? Right? Boy, was I wrong. Guess how many times you had to fight it. Four. Four fucking times. Did anyone on the development side see anything wrong with that? And the best part is that they don't bother changing up their attack patterns. It's by definition lazy and laughably cheap. The infamous loading walls that some games have now started to use to hide their load times will make many of those feel ashamed. I started counting how many there were in chapter 3 onward from what I wanted to count because I had way more fun that way. The total count I got is 35. Imagine having to walk very slowly through all of that with nothing interesting happening. There's an instance where a new enemy is introduced via jump scare that is literally reused three times in the span of a minute. And trust me, I counted. You like stealth and how it slows down the game to a crawl? Well, in a later chapter, a new effect shows up and tracks you via noise. Sounds good in theory until the game shows you you could take them down silently without the others hearing you do so. Even when you kill one literally on top of the other one, they ignore you like you're not even there. Why? Ultimately, they add no tension whatsoever, since they can be dealt with a flick of a button or two, assuming you gotta conveniently place spikes to throw them into. Hell, the audio logs are so wovenly short, why did they bother to add them? I wish there were more color variety to the locations. The OST leaves a lot to be desired. Barring two tracks, I never felt engaged when the game wanted me to be. Alright, so what about the story? <laughs> Does it have captivating characters? Any good dialogue? So, what's the story then? Jacob and his friend are delivering some cargo to Europa for a ton of cash. They see on the news an outbreak is happening there, but 
decide to fly there anyway, then their ship gets boarded by a group, who sends their saucer crashing. Jacob survives, but his buddy has seen better days. The ship is boarded once again, but this time by United Jupiter Company, UJC for short. The captain of the squad takes him into custody with one of the other group members who survived. The main premise is Jacob escaping the prison most of the time. Then at the end, we find out the whole prison was a setup to test inmates to become the next Project Zero, an effective person who retained incredible strength, superhuman abilities while retaining his humanity. Jacob was the one, in fact, carrying those virus samples from earlier. Safe to say, the characters we come across are guides to get us around. There isn't at one point we get attached to anyone because the game just wants to ignore all that in favor of having, essentially, a PA announcer tell us where to go. So most of the time, the chapters you go through are silent more often than not. We're always in the background of story events, so we can never get a good idea of how fucked things are. Elias, the prisoner who helps Jacob escape, dies, but then afterward, Jacob calls him buddy? Why? He was skeptical of him, and all of a sudden they're pals? I don't buy that. The guy who arrested Jacob suddenly has a character shift for no reason. Manifest says you were running cargo out of the hangar. Don't get many of you freelancers out here. I was just doing my job. Don't I know it? Let's see if I got this straight. Uh, you crash here. And then this whole place goes to shit. Oh, five, two, one. Look at me when I'm talking to you. What'd you do? Huh? You can tell me. Are you different? Are you special? Why'd the warden want you And is an asshole for the rest of the game. Like, what changed? What changed? Even the main character, Jacob, isn't all that interesting since the game elected to show almost nothing about him. Like, how the fuck is that even possible to not know someone you play as? As the story and plot were so bare bones, I had to look up the writers to see if anything went wrong. And by golly, I couldn't believe what my eyes had seen. Only one guy was in charge to write the whole thing. One person! What? Are you, are you out of your mind? The name is Eric Lieb, who's done two other projects, Touristas, Other Side of Paradise, and Saw Rebirth. Never seen either flick, but going off with the review scores alone, Saw is mixed while Paradise is unavailable. What was the thought process of only having one person to write the whole goddamn thing? Overall, Callisto has some good moments. From the graphics being a sight to see, the sound effects can sometimes be good. The acting just being fine, and to the death animations being cool to see, is fun and all. However, I can't disregard the tedium and repetitious acts of finding enemies repeatedly the same way. Holding forward the entire duration without any interesting set pieces to keep my interest. The audio logs are laughable, guns not feeling cool and powerful enough to use, and more importantly, for the brothers in the back, it's not scary at all, which is a huge disappointment. I do not recommend this game, especially for $70. So I checked out Romantic Killer, an anime on Netflix. The story is about a girl named Ansu who loves only three things. Chocolate, her cat, 
and the holiest of holy video games. One day she bought a dating sim game, and when popping the disc in, a little cupid by the name Riri appears before her. The little ball explains Japan had a decline of birth rate as of late, and that his job is to help young people find the one they love. So, in turn, her days will be filled with handsome-looking guys until she chooses one. Anzu isn't into romance, so she declines. Until Riri confiscated her items for good, forcing her to live without them. Now, what was unexpected is that the main girl isn't necessarily wanting to date or go out with anyone, which I did enjoy. Her obsession over her belongings and the serious faces she makes when things go airy are pretty funny sometimes. The guys she meets are pretty handsome and cool. Each guy has a unique personality and backstory to them, which makes it all the worthwhile for how they're written. The comedy can be funny at times, and the overall narrative is so simple, but can be really captivating for how ridiculous it can be. A wholesome show I recommend. Now for an inspired Doki Doki Leisure Club poem by me. Steadfast as it passes, close and far it could tar. The whales have no tails, deep a washing machine can clean. Inner works are my works. Stilted as the mirror may be, the shrieks are knees steep. The pit is lit, storms are already at their peak. Forever the wish dies out. A perfect dream cannot breach. Stuck in the muck, kinda sucks. Dearest the man, I hope to withstand any ban. The day is near its end. Reprimand the pedals to know when this all began. After the short break, let's take a look at game releases for the rest of April. Capture Image is a hand-drawn 2D action-adventure game. Set in a fantasy world, Renee embarks on a journey to stop emblematic forces from destroying the new world left after the Cataclysm. We gotta see an after image of this today for all platforms. Stranded Alien Dawn, a survival simulation that brings you into an unknown world to make it your own habitat. Are you prepared to take on alien life? Find out today, the 25th, excluding the Switch. Trinity Trigger is an action RPG 
that combines the nostalgic 90s look of known RPGs and brings them up to speed for combat. As a team of three, who are against fate, fight to protect the land the young heroes face against at all costs. Save the day today, the 25th, not on Xbox. Bramble the Mountain King is not here to play King. As a young boy who is apparently afraid of his mother's bedtime story, he leaves to find his sister so she can comfort him. Looks like he'll encounter strange, horrifying creatures along his path. That kind of reminds me of Inside or Limbo. Will the boy find his peace? Find out the 27th for all platforms. The 2D HD strategy RPG Live Alive is headed to PlayStation and PC the 27th. The expansion pack for Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak will not be available on PlayStation and Xbox the 28th. Finally, we have a Game of the Year contender, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, a continuation of Cal Kestis' story that picks up five years later after his escape from Vader. How much has he grown in the Force, his lightsaber skills, and what planets will we explore? May the Force be with you the 28th for PlayStation 5, Series X, and PC. I know I didn't so much as touch a bit of the gaming landscape in today's episode. Apologies, and apologies for taking so long to upload something, but I wanted to make sure that the review for Callisto was the utmost top priority. Regardless, I hope you enjoyed what you heard since that's all for today. If you like what you heard, you know what to do. I sometimes stream on Wednesdays at around 12 or 1 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. The focus has been getting through and beating Devil May Cry for the first time, the original. As for YouTube, I also do that as well. I'll leave the link for both down below. I'm currently doing Persona 5 Royal at the moment, and all I can say is I'm very deep in the playthrough from what I've recorded so far. So until next month, hopefully not as long as I wait this time around, take care, relax, and keep on gaming. But I'll never